Monkey Radio is entertainment for adults, by adults, and the views and opinions expressed here do not reflect upon the sponsors or FXBG Public Radio. For additional information, refer to the United States Bill of Rights. Stand warned. Hello and welcome to Shock Monkey Radio, and I just got the notification that we're live on YouTube. Sorry about last week. Uh, we had a little problem with YouTube, and so we uh, figured it out, and so uh, we're live again on YouTube. So for those of you who listen live, and there's not many of you, uh, sorry about last week. Um, yeah, but uh, most of you listen uh, through your uh, you know, your podcast app. I use CastBox myself, so well, you know, thanks. But those of you who listen live, now you can listen live. But yeah, yeah, welcome to Shock Monkey Radio. I'm your host, The Madman. Um, yeah, apologies for the live feed last, last week, but uh, you're not paying for it, so you have no right to complain. If you are a patron over at patreon.com slash shockmonkeyradio, you would have every right to complain, but you're not. And over, over there on patreon.com slash shockmonkeyradio, we have all of our video content. Also, I want to remind you about our YouTube channel where I'll put clips up, and there's some other things, not just clips of the show, there's uh, some other things. On the YouTube channel, search for Shock Monkey Radio on YouTube. Yeah, um, yeah. So, have you ever been driving on on an overcast day? I mean, not not raining. Just you know, think of a day that's gray and lonely. So, just think about that kind of that kind of day. And it's like when you see people driving and they have the lights on. If most of the other drivers have their lights on, do you turn on your lights too lemmings your sheep that's peer pressure why do you cave turn on your lights just because everybody else has their lights on too you lemmings i know i know some people don't have a choice about their daytime running lights but still that's peer pressure like waving politely when letting someone in that's peer pressure you don't have to do that but it's good when we do Anyway, ooh, that's beer. That's, that's delicious beer. It has been hot. It has been hot today. I am still sweating. Anyway, I was thinking about the Rebels' escape from Hoth. You know, Esco, or, uh, Echo Base on Hoth. You remember. Empire Strikes Back. Anyway, there's a scene where the they guy comes over the, the microphone over this, uh, what they call in the Navy, the 1MC, the, the intercom, if you only went to high school. Um, and he gets over to the intercom and says, um, the first transport is away. He says it twice. The first transport is away. And then it cuts to all the rebels in Echo Base. And they go, yeah. And so I can't help but wonder, what if that transport got blown up? Would it cut to all the rebels going, oh, that would have been, been kind of cool. Or in all likelihood, there would have been a propaganda officer right next to the communications officer and say something. Well, just say Something like uh, the first transport is left Echo Base. <laughs> That's not a lie. <laughs> but what about the thir- the second transport, the third transport? I didn't hear any announcements or cheers for the second or third transport. I mean, did did only one transport get away? I don't know. Maybe they skipped. You can assume they probably skipped all that because of the battle scene with Luke and so forth. After all, by the time Luke left Hoth, because, you know, he got shot down, I mean, ended up taking out an AT-AT all by himself, you know, credit where credit is due. But the, still, that's a long walk back, even if you're doing the Jedi Force run like they have in Battlefront. <clears throat> anyway, so 
my point is, by the time Luke got back to Echo Base, it was probably like the 17th transport is away. And he, the guy may be announcing it over the communication systems, but there's going to be fewer le- rebels. And, you know, the 17th transport, are they still going to be cheering like they cheered the first one? I don't think so. I don't think so. They just, they already did it 16 times. The 16th transport is away. Yeah. You know, do they cheer as hard for that last transport as they did the first one? I don't think so. I really don't think so. And here's another thing. Um, when it comes to the comm officer, when he finally shouted into the speakers, Imperial troops have entered the base, Imperial troops have, and it goes to static. You could only assume that he got killed right after that. So he was sitting there at his comm stations like a good little rebel doing his job. All right. And he's just waiting. He's just waiting for the evacuation code signal so he can get the hell out of Dodge like all the other rebels that he'd helped uh, <laughs> cheer as they left, as they left him behind. All right. He finally gets killed because he announces Imperial troops into the base, died at his station. And all of Le- Le- Leia's dawdling, you know, is what got him killed. Because as soon as he's dead, that's when she gives the evacu- evacuation code signal. So I'm blaming Leia for the death of that communications officer. And the only reason I think about stuff like that is because I served in communications when I was in the Navy. And so when I think about the poor communications officer who's sitting there making announcements, it's like, I want to be that guy. That would have been me. That would have been the job I would have. I would be the guy saying the first transport is away and being so happy, being so happy announcing that the first transport got away, you know, but then you're still sitting there because Leia just has to keep sitting around and she's fighting with Han. You could use a good kiss. They're arguing in the hallways and people are dying. Anyway, so don't think Leia's all that great. She got that communications officer killed. Because you know that communications officer had to been there for a while, know that the, knowing that the snowtroopers are about to breach into the room. And they're probably saying, like, get ready now. As soon as they're in, be sure to announce it so that everyone can get, knows to get out. They're probably all turning to each other. It's like, why isn't Leia giving the evacuation code signal? Anyway, you ever get mad at the rebellion? (laughs) Sometimes I get mad at the rebellion. Even the rebellion, you know, the empire sucks. I get it, you know, but the rebellion can be done better as well. (laughs) Anyway, um, I want to talk about Jaleel White a little bit. You know, Steve Urkel, the guy who played Steve Urkel. So, um, damn it, page up, page down. So here it is about uh, Steve Urkel and Jaleel White's performance as Steve Urkel. It's a textbook example of overacting. You see, Steve Urkel was an exaggerated nerd. You know, it's like no, no nerd is, is that nerdy, okay? Uh, he's just a, the stereotypical exaggerated nerd. He's played to the hilt. And no doubt, and uh, Family Matters became a sensation. It became the Urkel show for like five years. So absolutely, Jaleel White chewed the scenery. Absolutely. But it was a sensation. All right? People loved Steve Urkel. Did I do that? Was on everyone's lips for like five years. There was an Urkel dance that even crossed over to such hit shows like Step by Step. There was an Urkel serial called Urkelos, if you could believe that. But about four years into this trend, Jaleel started to realize the hole he had dug for himself and wanted to stretch his legs. Hence the character Stefan Urkel. 
but the damage had been done. It's hard for him to get on screen and have Americans think that he is anyone other than Steve Urkel. And looking at his film credits, I know it's good to know that he's still working and probably making a very comfortable living. So good for him. But still, he kind of typecast himself. And from what I've read, it seems like he typecast himself on purpose in order to get the role. You know? So, it's hard for him to maintain uh, his novelty on screen because he played Urkel. He played such an exaggerated character that nobody else can see him as that character, as anything other than that character. All right, it could be worse, though, for Jaleel. See, because um, actors who chew the scenery, uh, which means overacting, actors who chew the scenery usually just get criticized, like David Caruso and Jim Carrey. But, I mean, it's not the best examples, obviously, because they are arguably better actors. But Jim Carrey never started a dance craze for all his physical comedy skills. And no one, no one is making a serial called Caruso's with a giant pair of sunglasses on a giant orange box. Poor Jaleel White. You're richer than me. I don't, I don't know what you have anything to complain about. It's kind of like... um. What's his name? John Boyega. It's like, why can't you be happy with what you got, man? I mean, uh, Mark Hamill, for example, you know, he played Luke Skywalker and pretty much couldn't do anything else until the new Star Wars movies were made. And he eventually found a career as a voice actor, a very talented voice actor, as it turns out. And if you remember his play, uh, portrayal as the Joker in the Batman animated series, it's just phenomenal. It's excellent voice acting. So, I mean, he was able to work, and I know Jaleel White, I know he's doing a lot of voice acting, and that's great, you know? It's a lot, if they can't see you, they can't assume that you're Steve Urkel, you know? If they can't see you, they can't, they can't look at you and say, oh, that's just uh, uh, Luke Skywalker. And that's, that's what you can do with that career, because after, you know, I think, uh, like Mark Hamill, it was hard for him to get movie roles after being Luke Skywalker, because nobody wants to cast Luke Skywalker in their non-Star Wars movie. So I don't know what's wrong with being Mark Hamill famous, John Boyega. It's like, you think that, you know, you got cheated. Like you thought that, you know, Star Wars was going to propel your career like it did Harrison Ford's career. All right. Like Carrie Fisher's career. It's like Carrie Fisher, you know, she, um, uh, God rest her soul, you know, um, she didn't do, get a whole lot of work. She kind of had a reputation. And so, um. It, uh, and it's the same with Mark Hamill. The only real superstar that came out of uh, the Star Wars franchise was Harrison Ford. And it was obvious why he, why he got noticed for that role as, as Han Solo. Number one, is an incredibly cool character he got to play. Number two, is incredibly handsome and charming and stuff like that. And that goes a long way to becoming famous. And you know what? You're no Harrison Ford, John Boyega. You're no Harrison Ford. All right, just switch topics. <laughs> I was thinking of horrible people like, like Stalin, Hitler, or Pol Pot. And I can't help but wonder what I might do if I were in their shoes. I mean, for one reason or another, for one reason or another, you find yourself <laughs> the absolute ruler of a country. All right, and, the people, and then people keep being brought to you that are quote-unquote enemies of the state. 
and you get to choose how they die. All right. And if it were me, I would choose tickling. So I figure 12 men or 12 people working in pairs and four hour shifts would probably cover it for per, per, per person. No eating, no sleeping, no toilet, just 24 hours a day, people tickling you to death. And so pretty, pretty malicious when you think about it. And only, an idea that can only be cooked up in the mind of a madman. But I mean, if you're crazy enough to be a despot, I mean, why not, you know, <laughs> do something that some, something that malicious, that horribly malicious. And to be honest, I don't know why it hasn't been tried before. I mean, I read somewhere that there was a concentration camp guards that did tickle torture some, sometimes. But no one has done a solely death by tickle. I would do death by dancing. I would do death by dancing instead, but it's been done before. It's been done before. It's been done in a, in a ton of Western movies. I think even in France in like 1518, people danced themselves to death, but they were, they were tripping balls on ergot. So, I mean, I, I don't know. Anyway, the point I am trying to make is that tickling is not good, clean fun. It's a panic response in the victims and the fucking Nazis used it as a torture. So stop with the tickle parties with the madman. I don't like it. Well, I covered about a third of everything I'm going to talk about today in 15 minutes. That's all right. It's my show. I'll do it my way. <coughs> Excuse me. So I want to talk a little bit about the reasonable Democrats. God bless the reasonable Democrats. Um, you know, it's okay to be a Democrat. All right. It's okay. I know if, if you're, if you're, uh, interested in this podcast, uh, you're probably not a Democrat, but if you are, you know, thanks for listening. I really appreciate it. And so, um, but you understand that I have my bias, you know, we all have our bias. We all have our, um, affiliation. I, I affiliate with conservatives, you know, and that's who I am and that's fine. But, you know, I've served in the military with Democrats. I've eaten with Democrats. I've partied with Democrats. I've shook their hands. I've been their friends, you know, and there's a lot of common ground we all have as Americans. But when it comes to these reasonable Democrats who are standing up to these uh, crazy, crazy leftists, you know, I don't even want to call them liberal because as a even as a conservative, I'm quite liberal, you know. And so it's, you know, uh, American liberalism, you know, it doesn't, liberalism doesn't really, uh, isn't really affiliated with any particular party. You know, the modern conservatives are quite liberal, you know, socially liberal, you know, in many ways. They're, they may still be fiscally conservative and so forth, or even, you know, but, you know, socially they're pretty cool, you know, but God bless these reasonable Democrats who are standing up to the uh to the, the fanatics basically who are standing up to the fanatics who are like it's like okay i see your point but do we really need to burn the city down you know these are reasonable democrats and that's why you've seen things like the hashtag walk away campaign that's why how that's why you've seen these things is because people feel betrayed by the democratic party who's putting all their chips on on this you know anti-trump vibe you know, and I'm going to be honest, I'm going to be straight up with you. It's just like, I don't like Trump. I do not like that man. I never liked that man. I couldn't stand The Apprentice because of him. 
I think he's an absolute piece of shit, and I'm pissed off that I have been forced to side with him. All right? And I think a lot of you Democrats, you reasonable Democrats, are pissed off about that too. You feel cheated about the Democrats and how they, what they did with putting Biden forward. All of you people who, even those of you who supported Bernie Sanders, even those of you who, who supported uh, Andrew Yang, better choices like Andrew Yang or Tulsi Gabbard or even Marianne Williamson, you know, those, are, those Democrats who feel cheated by the Democratic Party because they put, put, uh, put forward this, this poor old man this poor old man who's losing his mind. And if you're a reasonable Democrat, you see that. And you're kind of pissed off that the Democratic Party is still going through with this. You know, if you have compassion in your heart, you have to feel bad for Joe Biden, despite all the sniffing and stroking and so forth that he's been, you know, been known to do. And his flubs. I mean, his flubs are a testament to that, you know, how he is in mental decline. And as if I were a Democrat, I'd be pissed off that that's what we got going for us, for us. I would be pissed off that I would be forced to side with Trump on this issue, you know, because Democrats like have been avoiding the fact it's like, what, what riots? We don't know. They're not riots. They're peaceful protests. And somehow fires get started, you know, and if you're a reasonable Democrat, you're like, you're screaming bullshit, just like all the conservatives are. So God bless you for standing up and you're doing this hashtag walk away campaign. Um, there's been uh, C-SPAN callers who've been calling it to uh, like Brian Stelter. Stelter. What's his, what's his name? Stelter. <laughs> I looked over here like, anyone going to answer me? No. Uh, and they call in and they say, you know, uh, CNN has lost the plot. You know, the Democrats have lost the plot. You have gone into the deep end. You know? And so um, God bless... <laughs> God bless you Democrats who, who want to say enough, enough with the violence, you know, any, any good hearted person, right or left, you don't want to see violence, you know, and those, those kinds of people who, who perpetrate violence, those kinds of people, <clears throat> they, they're, they're not who you back. They may be flying your flag. You know, they may be flying the blue colors, but as a Democrat, you may be sitting there thinking, it's like, that is not, that is not who, what I believe. I, yeah, I may have similar views to this person, but I'm not willing to throw rocks at anybody yet over it. All right. Because you're a reasonable human being. It's like, we solve our social and political ills at the ballot box not in the streets with placards and rocks and guns and pepper spray, bear spray. Why are you going down there? Even you conservatives, don't go down there. You're looking for trouble. You know, and there's plenty of reasonable people on both sides of the aisle who are saying, you know, enough with the violence. I was like, can't we just talk this out? Why do we got to burn shit down? And I'm not saying that this is like the death of the Democratic Party. If anything, people like you, you Democrats, you reasonable Democrats, people like Tim Pool, you're going to be the saviors of the Democratic Party. The Democratic Party should not die. There shouldn't be any reasonable, uh, there shouldn't be any reason that one party should take like dominance over another. I mean, even when that's happened before, another party frac fractures out. That's how the uh, Republicans were born. 
they broke a lot of them broke away. They were, I forget was was it the Whigs, Whigs and the Democrats back in the eighteen sixties. I don't know. And uh, a bunch of people broke off and they formed the Republican Party over the issue of secession and slavery. Okay, it's like and it should never become a one party system. I think it's not in America's nature to even become a one party system. However, on some some days you may feel like it's like. Shit, I got to vote Republican this time, even though I'm a Democrat. I understand. It's like, and I was really, really hoping that the Democrats would put forward somebody worthwhile. My pick would have been Tulsi Gabbard, and I would have voted for her because I dislike Trump just as much as you you do. All right? He's a buffoon. He's a giant walking buffoon with his foot constantly in his mouth. Can't stop tweeting. And every every other thing he says is, inappropriate or unnecessary i hate that man but i and but i'm more pissed off at those people out there who are forcing me to take his side and i bet there's a ton of you out there who think along those lines as i do i mean i'm naturally conservative but even if i were a democrat i would be like are you fucking serious democrats if there's any compassion in your heart you'd say like let joe biden retire let him go. His wife, I mean, his wife should be the one sticking up for him. Saying, you know, he shouldn't be doing this. I mean, he's even told other people not to vote for him. I don't even think he wants to win. And to be honest, I was like, you know, I don't think like Kamala's a good backup. I don't want to get into a rant about her, but I mean, God bless, God bless you reasonable Democrats who are willing to stand up against uh, uh, these these lunatics on your fringes. Now, I'm I will say that you know uh, uh, conservatives need to stand up against the lunatic on our fringes as well. But at the same time, uh, most of the people who are in the middle and in the middle means like just a little bit left of the line, just a little bit right of the line. That's the middle. All right, that's the that's the common ground. That's that's the. That's where everybody can land. It's the somewhere around Joe Rogan area, <laughs> in the middle of the road, you know? And so, and a lot of us, a lot of us are in there and a lot of us are saying enough with the violence, enough with the destruction, nothing productive gets done this way, you know? And so it's like, you can have all sorts of opinions about these issues that come up in the news from Nancy Pelosi's hair to black men getting killed in the street. You can have a ton of different opinions about that, but tons of, there's a large majority of reasonable people left and right who say enough with the violence and destruction. Anyway, that's enough of my ranting. I'm going to go ahead and start the news worth knowing. Let me pull up this, uh, these news articles. All right, so uh, I'm going to talk about the thing that everyone else is talking about. And it's like, and I can't believe it that everyone's talking about it because it's the most ridiculous story. It's the most most 2020 story of the year, I think, so far. Um, uh, Pelosi's hairstylist claims. <laughs> Pelosi's hairstylist claims through lawyer that salon owner okayed the Democrats' visit. So if you haven't heard, Nancy Pelosi went and got her hair done. Not even done, just a blow dry. In San Francisco. So anyway, let me read this story. 
uh, a San Francisco cosmetologist. Really? She's been to space? Uh, who works at the salon that uh, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi visited earlier this week, attempted Wednesday to distance himself from the salon's owner, Erica Cayus. Forgive me. In a statement issued by his lawyer, hairstylist Jonathan DiNardo, appeared to agree with Pelosi's accusation that her appointment at Eastlawn on Monday was a setup, quote, a setup designed to embarrass the Democrat for allegedly ignoring coronavirus rules, according to reports. Quote, the fact that Ms. Kios, forgive me, is now objecting to Speaker Pelosi's presence at the Eastlawn and from simple surface level review of, Ms., uh, of her political leanings, it appears she is furthering a setup of Speaker Pelosi for her own vain aspirations. <laughs> the statement issued by lawyer Matthew, oh, I'm not even, Suleiman Poor said, Matthew Suleiman Poor said, quote, Mr. Donardo's name has been dragged through the mud for simply following Ms. Kios's recommendations. According to Suleiman Poor, Donardo worked on Pelosi's hair after receiving approval from Kios. Wow, that's a tongue-twisting sentence. Donardo had worked for the establishment for six years and had been in regular communication with the owner, the lawyer said. Donardo, Donardo claims that during the phone call last weekend, in which Kios gave him approval to work on Pelosi's hair on Monday, the salon o- owner was openly critical of the 80-year-old House Speaker who has represented uh, San Francisco Congress, San Francisco in Congress since 1987. Term limits. Quote, Mrs. Kios took a uh, special entrance... I'm spitting like Freddie Mercury over here. Ms. Kios took special interest in an appointment during a uh, this telephone call wherein she made several vitriolic and incendiary comments about Speaker Pelosi and her purported responsibility for temporary sus- uh, suspending operations of Ms. Kios's business, according to the statement, which was obtained by San Francisco's KRON, Cron TV. <sighs> Suleiman Poor also said his office has evidence that Kios was actually been operating her business during stay-at-home orders where she has been styling various hair, clients' hair, ignoring social distancing guidelines and not wearing protective equipment, such as masks, as recently as a few days prior to uh, Speaker Pelosi's arrival at East Station on August 31st. He added that Kios had also been almost forcing stylists at the salon to violate orders for her own financial benefit in the form of receiving lease payments, the statement alleged according to the station. Solely man for Anyway, you get the idea. Pelosi made this made this appointment at 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 East Lawn. All right, they took her because these pl- places these places are open. All right, people are working. All right, there are way there's way too much fucking traffic out there these days for you to be telling me that nobody's working, that everything is closed up. I know this isn't California I live in, but even in California, people need to eat, people need to work. Okay, and so I know that there's a ton of these businesses that have been operating on the sly, and that's fine with me. That's fine with me. Okay, but Pelosi makes this appointment. They release this footage of her, and they start and just to you know make a point. It's like this is the kind of person who who uh, uh, makes these kind of rules that we have to lock down and we can't do business. But she heard, hey, you still you still open? It's I mean, it's not so much that uh, Speaker Pelosi is so privileged that you know she could use it. It's just that they're pointing out is that even people like Speaker Speaker Pelosi is is using these services that people are doing. And so the only thing that this story really shows is that we really don't need to be shut down. Okay, people have been operating without uh uh despite all these shutdown orders for a while now. All right, 
And if you want to have your rules about masks or no masks, like that's your, that's your prerogative as a business and your patrons can patronize your store or your, your business at their, their own discretion. Okay. I just think that's, that's what needs to be done. And because of an incident like this, which is so ridiculous, why are we talking about Nancy Pelosi getting her hair blown dry? It doesn't matter. I don't care where she gets her hair, hair done. All right. The point is, is that everyone's trying to make this about is like, oh, you know, rules for thee, not for me. And yeah, you have some point to that. It's like she may be saying that, saying out in public is like, yeah, no one's wearing a mask. You got to wear a mask and stuff like that. But then she's not wearing a mask in the salon. I think that just proves that all these people in power know that there's nothing to this COVID thing. Nothing to it. All right. People aren't going to die because that's the whole, that's the whole thing. You know, we got to shut down or else, oh, oh, they're all going to die in the streets. Oh, 0.04% of them. And that's the point. You know, I can't believe we're talking about our goddamn hairstylist. Why do I even care about a stylist in San Francisco? I don't have boots deep enough to walk in the shit to find that salon. No, thank you. I don't even know why we're talking about this. So I think that this, this story just only shows how safe it is in real life. Nancy Pelosi knows it. That salon has known it. And we all know it. So we need to reopen. Quit buying this bullshit, these people. It's like that, you know, there's some pathogen in the air. And Dustin Hoffman and Rene Russo have got to save us or something. Weren't they in that movie outbreak? I can't remember. Anyway, I can't. <laughs> people talking about this so much with Pelosi's damn hair appointment. And her, and, and her is like, oh, it was a setup. They're, they were setting me up. What'd she say? Uh, I, I admit to falling to a, a trap or something like that. <laughs> oh, she is such a horrible person. That's why we need term limits. When people get in there too long, they get entrenched. You know, they get, uh, just, they're like leeches, you know, leeches on, on the body politic of our nation's government. You know, that's what they are. People who are in, in, in government too long. They're like leeches. They're barnacles on our hull. Scrape them off, Claire. You want to save somebody? Save yourself. All right, let's go over to Ohio for this next story. Ohio Sheriff quotes, if you, sh- if you shoot at police, expect us to shoot back. <laughs> Butler County Sheriff Richard Jones hits back at lawlessness directed towards police. Butler County, Ohio Sheriff Richard Jones is never one to mince words. This time, he's taking an aim at those who abuse police. Quote, I won't tolerate it, period. You shoot at the police, expect us to shoot back, Jones said in a press release Wednesday. He wrote it in a press release. Jones says he's seen the lawlessness uh, directed at police in cities across the country, including shots being fired at officers. He, rec- he recounts incidents involving police, including water dumped on officers in New York, frozen water bottles being thrown, as well as officers blinded by lasers in Portland. uh, The most recent incident involving shots fired at police officers locally occurred Monday in suburban uh, Warren County when a chase resulted in a shootout shootout, during which a Middletown police officer sustained gunshot wounds. Excuse me. Jones does not mention the Warren County incident in the release, press release. During a press conference about the shootout, uh, Jones talked about the defunding the police uh, and the safety of officers. 
quote, I will not allow my deputies or any law enforcement officer in Butler County to take the abuse that I have seen over the past several months, Jones said. If you come to this county expecting a free pass to harm any one of my men and women in uniform, keep in mind, nothing in life is free. Yikes. Woo. That guy's hardcore. Let's see. Is, is there a picture of him up here? Eh, no, I thought I did see a picture. Anyway. So Jones has made headlines for his words back in July when he says, I am not going to mask the police. No, I'm not going to be the mask police, he said. Good for him. He was responding to a statewide mask mandate issued by Ohio Governor Mike DeWine a few days earlier. So <laughs> this is what I love about America. It's like uh, America's a great experiment because there's all these little, it's a Republican. There's all these little, little government experiments everywhere. It's like, you have aldermen. I, we don't have aldermen. What do you have? It's like, we have a comptroller. I'm pretty sure that's not how, how, how that's pronounced. I'm a comptroller. It's like, I don't think you should have that job if you don't know what that is. It's supposed to be controller. Anyway, I need more beer. So I like this Ohio sheriff guy. He seems like he knows what's what. Oh, yeah, I do see a picture of him. He's wearing a cowboy hat. How did I know? It, when, um, if you've ever seen that uh, movie 3,000 Miles to Graceland, there's a scene where uh, Kevin Costner gets pulled over by this cop, and he's this real country bumpkin cowboy cop, <laughs> and they have this shootout. Anyway, uh, that, that was what I pictured in my head, is that kind of great day, that kind of cop. <laughs> Okay, let's go to Sacramento. From Ohio to California, Sacramento DA rea reacts to Antifa targeting her office. Quote, this was a planned attack. Antifa's end game is the destruction of democracy through violence, intimidation, and coercion, according to Sacramento District Attorney Anne-Marie Schubert. Schubert's office was attacked and vandalized last, last week by far-left Antifa members in what she called part of their onslaught against buildings in the downtown... Uh, which she called a part of their onslaught against buildings in the downtown Sacramento area. Quote, there's no question that there was a planned attack on our office, she said Wednesday on the Ingram angle. Quote, now that we have more intelligence, we understand that much of it was led by Antifa. There was that particular night, and there were two separate organizations. The first one was a peaceful protest, which we all support, and the second one we know was organized and planned by Antifa, Schubert told the host Laura Ingram. Uh, the night that this happened, they targeted government buildings, the district attorney's office, which happens to be the institution of law and order, as well as the sheriff's department, which is which also obviously is an institution of public safety. So their tactics are designed to destroy this country and take down capitalism. Meanwhile, the Department of Justice launched an investigation into the organization and funding of the violent protests that have disrupted several U.S. cities in recent months. Department of Homeland Security Chief Chad Wolf told Tucker Carlson tonight on Monday. Quote, this is something that I've talked to the AG personally about, said Wolf, adding that the Department of Justice is now focusing on targeting and investigating the head of these organizations and the individuals that are paying for these individuals to move across the country. What we know, Tucker, is that we've seen groups of individuals move from Portland to other parts of the country, Wolf added. Almost 100 of them were from out of state. Wolf revealed the probe days after Senator Rand Paul of Kentucky called on the Justice Department to investigate those funded those funding the organized riots after he and his wife were accosted by demonstrators on the final night of the RNC, Republican National Convention. Uh, Schubert said that once the, attackers, once the attackers' identities are revealed, they will be prosecuted. 
Quote, if, er- if anybody knows our office and our law enforcement partners, we're going to do everything we can. The night that these folks tried to des- destroy our building and set it on fire, we had the police department about collecting evidence. Anybody that understands our abilities, we're going to do everything we can. You left your DNA behind. We're going to find it and figure out who you are. Schubert said, <coughs> holy cow. Uh, she also went on to say, uh, we're not going to be terrorized. They tried to post where they think they uh, think I live on their social media. This theme of intimidating by showing up to people's homes has to end. Yeah, these people are like organizing through social media. They don't understand. It's like other people would follow it and track it. And stuff like <laughs> They're so dumb. Wasn't there one, uh, one Antifa guy who got arrested or something like that? He balled up and started crying. I don't know if you've heard about that or seen, seen that. I don't know. But, um... Yeah. So Sacramento, very liberal city, but this DA is like enough, enough, you know? And I think that, you know, it's, it's been too long coming. It's been too long coming for everybody to be, be like everybody with any reason to say enough children, enough. It's like you're LARPing, you know, I'm sorry that all these cosplay events aren't happening anymore, you know, because of this COVID thing. And this is why number one thing I want, the lockdown to stop happening is so people can, these idiots can start going to cosplay instead of bothering everybody else. You know, once they make it real for them by putting them in cuffs and taking them to jail, hey, maybe they'll say, this isn't a game. This isn't a game. Anyway. <laughs> uh, okay, I got uh, three more stories. They're pretty, more, uh, pretty much more upbeat. Leave on the upswing, as it were. So, uh, let's talk about this insane person. A 59-year-old combat vet redoes basic training after 10-year break to join the Army Reserve. This person. You know, when I got out of the Navy, like a a month leading to the day I got out of the Navy, I knew the date. I was waiting for it, waiting for it. And I kept having this dream over and over again when I was about to get out of the Navy where I woke up. I finally got home. I got all my stuff unpacked, and I lay down on my bed just... (sighs) <sighs> fall asleep drift off to sleep and then i wake up out of your bed recruit and i'm back in boot camp terrifying terrifying dream anyway this 59 year old combat veteran completed basic basic training in order to re-enlist in the army reserve after spending more than a decade out of the armed forces authority said on wednesday quote the next time you're feeling unmotivated uh, Channel Montel L. Gould, the Army Syracuse Recruiting Battalion, wrote on Facebook. Staff Sergeant Gould, who previously served in the Marine Corps, uh, trained in civil affairs, returned to boot camp at Fort Jackson, South Carolina in June. He completed it late last month after spending the majority of his time serving as a squad leader, according to the Army Times. You know, when I was at boot camp, there was a guy there that was uh, 28. We called him Grandpa. I wonder what this guy got called. Anyway, uh, exceeded, he, uh, he quote, exceeded standards and exceeded my self-expectations, Gould wrote on Facebook. It's a long haul, but it was worth the effort. Uh, when, he left, when he left the Army in 2009, he was less than three years short of retirement. Ooh. Re-enlisting in the Army Reserve will help him become eligible for retirement benefits and give him the opportunity to give something back to younger troops, according to the Post. He'll also be serving in the same unit as his son, Specialist Jared Gould. Uh, at the 405th Civil Affairs Battalion's Las Vegas detachment. The elder Gould served in Afghanistan in 2004 and left the Army in 2009, according to the Army Times. He also spent time working in law enforcement in California. 
Uh, quote, for some of these kids, I'm older than their grandparents, he told the Times. I went through the Marine Corps boot camp at 78. It's a whole different world. Yeah, I bet. I bet, bro. Uh, he was reportedly impressed by the technological developments that have changed basic training over the past decades and the amount of money invested in Fort Jackson. Yeah, sure. Uh, quote, the equipment and the ranges they have this fil- facility are made amazing. They have these laser simulators. <laughs> they have these other targets that track these other targets that track your hits. That's a, uh, that's funny because absolutely. I mean, I've seen it. Um, uh, I've seen videos of like, um, uh, Navy boot camp, and I've seen how they updated, uh, particularly like the Marlin Spike. Uh, the Marlin Spike was a uh, like a fake ship that they had, and where you'd, you'd run like rope drills and stuff like that, line handling, as they they called it in the Navy. And so uh, they've really updated that. They've also updated the um, the battle stations program. I, re- I really like that. I've seen that, and it's like w- I guess when I went to boot camp, they had been bu- like built. They were building a bunch of new stuff, and uh, I didn't get get to go through a bunch of the awesome stuff. I've seen videos online of the the new Navy boot camp, and I was like, "This looks way better." I, I'm I'm just saying here from my armchair, here from my armchair, drinking beer and you know <laughs> smoking two packs a day. <laughs> it's like it sucks when you're there, but I mean, it, it looks like much more comprehensive training. They do a lot more damage control stuff. It looks like uh, they probably uh, since the the USS Cole, I imagine, a lot more damage control training because um. When I went through uh, boot camp, there wasn't a whole lot of damage control training. It was mostly just, um, what, hose handling? Yeah, hose handling. That's that's about it. Flash hoods and (laughs) OBAs. Anyway, any squids out there know what I'm talking about, I guess. All right, let's go on to a couple of positive stories about law enforcement because, you know, they're not just sitting around doing nothing. So, Operation Legend leads to 2,000 arrests since July, including nearly 150 wanted for murder. The anti-crime operation legend is fully underway across the country and has led to more than 2,000 arrests since its launch in early July, said U.S. Attorney for the Northern District of Ohio, Justin Herdman. As of the end of August, he told Fox & Friends on Thursday, more than 470 people have been charged with federal crimes in major metropolitan cities, including 150 people wanted for murder. Quote, we are not just arresting people for low-level warrants here, Herdman said. We're talking about very violent fugitives, very violent criminals, and we're getting them off the streets of these nine cities across the country. Excuse me. First launched in Kansas City. Operation Legend has expanded to Chicago and Albuquerque on July 22nd, in Cleveland, Detroit, and Milwaukee on July 29th, and uh, to St. Louis and Memphis on August 6th, and Indianapolis on August 19th. Attorney General William Barr, hero, American hero, Attorney General William Barr, launched Operation Legend as a sustained, systemic, and coordinated law enforcement initiative in which federal law enforcement agencies work in conjunction with state and local law enforcement officials to fight violent crime, the Department of Justice said in a news release. The operation is named after four-year-old Legend Talaferro, who was shot and killed while while he slept in the early morning of June 29th in Kansas City, Missouri. Legend is a symbol of many hundreds of innocent lives, that have been taken in the recent upsurge of crime in many of our urban areas, Barr said at a press conference in Kansas City. His life mattered, and the lives of all these victims matter. His name should be remembered, and his, sen- and his senseless death 
like those of all other innocent victims of this recent surge, should be unacceptable to all Americans. Barr said the federal government has dispatched to nine U.S. cities more than 1,000 additional agents from the uh, FBI, ATF, Drug Enforcement Administration, and U.S. Marshal Service to work to shoulder to shoulder work shoulder to shoulder with local partners on homicide and assault squads to crack cases. The government has also allow, allocated $78.5 million in grants to support additional police positions, uh, hire more prosecutors, and improve technology to solve firearms crimes. Uh, what we look for in terms of resources is exactly what the president and the attorney general have provided in these nine cities, Herdman said on Thursday, which is supplementing exist- existing federal task forces with federal agents, providing a place for police officers to work with our federal agents to identify the most violent criminals on the, our streets and take them off the streets and to ensure that the community has some breathing space here to get through the remainder of the summer and the remainder of the fall without the violent crime that we've come that we've seen surging across the country over the past several months. The spike in violent crime, according to Barr, may have been may have a lot of reasons, including the pent up aggression prompted by state and local quarantine orders, the premature release of dangerous criminals by the courts and prosecutors, and the efforts to demonize police and defund their work. Uh, Operation quote Operation Legend is the heart of the federal government's response uh, to this upturn in violent crime. Its mission is to save lives, solve crimes, and take violent offenders off the streets before they can claim more victims, Barr said. Rather than demonizing and defunding our police, we are supporting and strengthening our law enforcement partners at the state and local level. (sighs) Host Empley Compagno, I don't know who that is, Compagno, noted that Quote, there is a narrative being floated by some that the uh, operation is federal overly, overreach and it's leading to more divisiveness on the ground. She then asked Herdman to speak about the reception you've been, you're receiving in these nine cities by the residents who are receiving this federal help. Quote, we are in these cities because we have the support of the community, he said in response. We have the support of the local leadership and we have the support of the local police departments. And what you're seeing across the country are the results that speak to that support, speak to that support. He pointed out the fact that 2,000 violent fugitives and violent criminals are now off the streets because we have the support of the community. Quote, we can demonstrate to them that we've had results here and we've taken over 500 guns off the streets. We've charged almost 500 people federally under Operation Legend and we've taken seven kilos of fentanyl off the streets and that's enough fentanyl to kill the entire population of Chicago and Detroit combined. That's true about fentanyl. It doesn't take much. It doesn't take much. So that's, that's really good. That's really good because, I mean, you know, you can sit there and like talk all this trash about police and stuff like that. You know, they're still they're not sitting. They're not sitting, sitting idly by. by. And you can say you can say if you like that it's federal overreach. You know, you can say that if you like, but I think that they're uh, when when you have these governors and mayors and stuff like that releasing prisoners, you know, they're taking uh, they're releasing pe- uh, people from their uh, their state or county prisons. Then we'll t- they'll just scoop them up and then put them in a federal prison because you don't want to do your job. You know, I think that that's exactly what the federal government's supposed to do. It's like you fuck up. That's what the federal, we cover, federal government comes in there and tells you how to do it right, shows you how to do it right. Anyway, Operation Legend, good thing. One more story, and then we'll sign off for the day. So, U.S. Marshal Service. Operation Safety Net recovers 25 missing children in Ohio in the first two weeks. 
subheadline is one in six of the roughly 23,500 endangered runaways reported in 2019 were probable victims of child sex trafficking. So the U.S. Marshal Service recovered at least 25 missing children in Ohio in a two-week stretch as part of an ongoing operation in the Buckeye State. Quote, over the weekend, U.S. Marshals rescued dozens of missing children across Ohio, many of whom were being trafficked, Governor Mike DeWine said on a t- during a Tuesday news conference. See, a Democrat can get in on this. Absolutely. Oops, page down, page up. Okay. Uh, Operation Safety Net is still in its first two weeks and ongoing, according to the Marshal Service. It's being carry- carried out in conjunction with the local law enforcement agencies around northern Ohio. DeWine described it described it as a great, great effort. Although only some of the children were believed to be viewed, uh, victims of human trafficking, he called on all residents to recognize and report signs of it. They can include a young person who repeatedly runs away, individuals who move often, a young person with someone who is older or unrelated, or signs of physical abuse, among other indicators, he said. The children were missing for various reasons and were recovered on in multiple locations. Some Uh, could be vulnerable to abuse or neglect at home. About a quarter of them were believed to be victims of human trafficking or forced prostitution. The operation focused on cases in northern Ohio, but at least one child was found found as far away as Florida. Quote, sometimes the situations they they go to, believe it or not, may be better than the situations they left from. Uh, U.S. Marshal Pete Elliott told Cleveland-based WOIO. We've had some cases where the mother or father or both have been prostituting their own child. Jesus. More than 90% of missing children in the U.S. are classified as endangered runaways or children under 18 who fled their homes on their own, according to the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. But that designation can also include children who were enticed by online predators who fled with mental health or special needs conditions or victims escaping sex trafficking or forced prostitution at their own home. One in six of the roughly uh, 23,500 endangered runaways reported in 2019 were probable victims of child sex trafficking, according to the center. Operation Safety Net will go on for another couple weeks, but Elliot told WOIO that that due to its success, he plans to bring it back next year. The news comes days after different uh, marshals-led task force helped recover 39 missing children from multiple locations in Georgia during Operation Not Forgotten. That investigation led to nine arrests, one more than two dozen charges. Marshals created a missing child unit after the 2015 Victims of Trafficking Act, which gave the service broader authority to assist other law enforcement agencies with cases involving missing, endangered, or abducted children. Last year, the marshals assisted in a uh, safe recovery of almost 300 children. Since 2005, 10 years before the Victims of Trafficking Act, they've helped record, uh, recover more than 1,800 ch- uh, children. So I'm sorry for smiling in the last paragraph there, but I started, I started thinking about those listeners of mine who might be one of those, uh, what's that called, uh, QAnon, the QAnon people. It's like, see, see, Trump's doing it. Trump's doing it. And so uh, <laughs> believe your conspiracy theory all you want. I care about those kids that are being saved, you know, getting out of these, this sex trafficking and stuff like that. I think that that's a good thing. Every single one. Every single one of those kids that are helped. You know, I, I wish we could find them all. I wish we were magical and we could all find them all. You know, it's like the Green Lantern. It's like, you have that ring. It operates on your will. It very much, it does anything. Couldn't you just say to your ring, find every missing or exploited child and bring them here? Couldn't you tell your ring to do that and to do it? It seems like every, everybody who's ever had the Green Lantern ring has never used it right. 
You got to use it, you know, use your head. I mean, use your mind and your will, you know. It's not all balls, you know. So, you know, you could say, you could be the QAnon person who says, like, oh, see, you know, he's, this, is a, this is what Trump's doing. This is what Trump's doing. This is why it's causing all the riots in the streets because all the sex traffickers are running scared. Go ahead, think that all you want. As long as those kids get saved. I don't care what the fuck your crazy ass mind is thinking. You know, as long as those kids get saved. You know, I'm interested in law and order, just like any other realistic red-blooded American, you know. But I'm not going to sit here and think that, like, Trump is fighting against some weird uh, uh, child sex cult cabal, whatever nonsense you're spouting these days. I really don't know and don't care. All right? If it turned out to be real, it'd be fucking amazing, you know. But I just don't think that Trump's that great a guy. I'm not saying that he wouldn't fight against something like that. I'm just saying that, you know, that just seems like superhuman levels of hero- heroism. You know what I mean? A Herculean fate, uh, feat. And I really don't think Trump, Trump has a resolve for any Herculean feats. <laughs> okay? I just care about these kids being saved. I cared about these criminals getting, getting taken off the street in Operation Legend. This is all a good thing. And I think Attorney General Barr, I mean, he has a hell of a job during, you know, during Trump's presidency, during this, this time in America's uh, history. And he's, I think he's doing one hell of a job. One hell of a job. And it's just my opinion. I could be wrong. I don't know. I'm just a guy who spent, you know, sits in his basement all day thinking about Steve Urkel jokes. All right? So I don't know how seriously you could take somebody who intentionally calls himself the madman. Lowercase. And if you want, to, you want me to read an email, you can send me an email at madman.fxbgpr.com. I want to invite you again to go ahead and become a patron. Go over to patreon.com shockmonkeyradio. Uh, there for, you know, just three bucks a month. You know, you can get access to all of our video content behind the paywall and some extra stuff I got up there as well. I invite you to go over to subscribe over on YouTube. Uh, YouTube, search for Shock Monkey Radio on YouTube. Subscribe there. Hit the notification bell. Share, like, subscribe, comment, all you want. Yell at me. I love chatting on YouTube. I, I, wish, I wish more people would talk to me in my YouTube comments. And so, uh, that being said, this has been... Uh, oh, I also have Cash App. Cash App. Hashtag uh, Shock Monkey Radio. Send me money. Money me now. Money now. Me money now. <laughs> money, please. Hashtag Shock Monkey Radio. This has been Shock Monkey Radio. I'm the madman. And I love you.